The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the message today. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 12. I'm going to teach on discernment as we close our series called Supernatural. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see this word discernment used, where he said that it's something that is to grow in the life of a believer. That means every one of us who follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, those of us who have been made new, who have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we should grow as Christians in our ability to discern what is from God, what is not from God, what is emotion and what is the flesh, and what is truly the Holy Spirit, what is something that is right and something that is true and something that's error. There's a lot of good-intentioned people in our world today that are teaching a lot of things and trying to get people to follow a lot of things, but it doesn't matter how sincere they are or how good-hearted they are. If it doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word, it's not right. And we, as people of God, need to be able to tell the difference. Amen? Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's something that's selling a lot of books or some speaker who's amassed a large following doesn't mean that it's correct. It doesn't mean that it's wrong either, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that's said is right. So we have to know how to judge between what is of God and what is not of God. There are going to be times and situations in your life where you will feel led to do something and you need to know, is this my flesh wanting this because it looks like a good opportunity? and maybe God is trying to warn me away from taking this opportunity? Or is it truly an open door from the Lord? Christians should be able to distinguish and tell the difference between what is God and what is not God. There will be situations in your life where you are led to go in, in certain directions or certain areas where maybe God is presenting a job opportunity or a move or maybe who to marry or whether this is the right time to buy this house or whether this is the right time to do this thing or that thing. And you need to know that God cares about everything every detail of your life, and He wants you to be led by His Holy Spirit. Amen? He wants you to know what's His voice when He's speaking. And the writer of Hebrews said we need to grow in this area. And if we don't grow in this area, he likens us to someone who should be, by this time, a teacher. But instead, we're still laying some elementary things. He said, when you guys should actually be teachers yourselves, you've heard this enough, is what he's actually trying to communicate here. He said, you've heard it over and over again. You haven't practiced it, and you haven't put it into good use. It's kind of like that baby that never quite got off of that bottle. There's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian when you first get saved, when you're new to the faith. We all go through that experience. We don't come out as a fully mature Christian when we receive Christ. We need to understand some things, grow in some things, learn some things, just like no one gets mad at an infant for wanting a bottle. That's what they should want. There's, that's something that's natural. There is something wrong, however, with a 45-year-old man asking for a bottle. There is something wrong with him wanting his diaper changed, right? Right? 
Instead, we look at these situations where God is calling us to grow. He said that meat is reserved for those who are mature, those who understand, because the writer of Hebrews was trying to go deeper with these people that he was writing to. He was trying to explain to them how Jesus was our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he began to sense in his writing that those that were going to be reading this wouldn't quite get where he wanted to go, and he said, there's a lot of things I want to tell you but you're not ready because you're still, instead of being teachers and being mature, you're still drinking on the bottle. He said, but there are people who are mature, and you're called to be mature, and they have their discernment sharpened through using it, through practicing, through making sure that they're actually applying these things that they're learning so that they can distinguish good from evil. Tenure does not equal spiritual maturity. Tenure does not equal spiritual maturity. Just because you've been doing something for a long time, that doesn't make you an expert. It just means you've been doing it a really long time. It doesn't mean you're the best at it. It doesn't mean you're great at it. You've just been doing it for a long time. And we've got to get away from this idea that we think because I've been saved 20, 30, 50 years, however long, that I am a spiritually mature Christian. That's not what makes a spiritually mature Christian. It doesn't even make you a spiritually mature Christian with how much Scripture you have memorized and internalized in your mind. Because you can know a lot of Scripture and apply very little. You can have a lot of knowledge and know a lot of good things, and you can know a lot of truth and be so full of truth, but yet there's no application. Pastor Keith told me a story about a bird nest that was at his house that was on the ceiling fan that was on his front porch. He has a nice little wraparound porch, and, and he has a ceiling fan there, and some robins built a nest. And in that nest, those birds hatched, and it was kind of a fun little science experiment to kind of watch as the mom would fly into the little babies in the nest and feed them. And Pastor Keith's children got to watch this thing happen. And then he told me this story, though, is that when these birds grew up, they all flew away except for one. There was one bird that hung out in the nest. And something interesting happened with this one bird. He kept getting fatter and fatter. And the brothers and sisters of this little baby bird decided it was their responsibility to keep feeding him. Because they wanted him to fly. They wanted him to get out of the nest. They wanted him to do what he was created to do. But he just really liked having a delivery service. And so he would watch these birds fly in one after the other. He said, one after the other, these birds would fly in and feed this fat baby bird that was no longer a baby that kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And isn't that a true picture of how we can be as the church if we never apply and do what God created us to do? Is that not a true picture of how here we are sitting in the nest wanting someone to come give us something and everyone else is taking care of us and all the meanwhile, God's saying, this is not what you were created to do. You need to get out of the nest and fly. You need, to, you need to use what's been given to you. That food was given to you to strengthen you so you would be able to go and get food on your own and be able to grow on your own, not just so you can always be spoon-fed. Tenure does not equal spiritual maturity no more than the size of the bird makes it truly a mature bird. It may be mature physically, but it cannot do what it was created to do. Are you picking up what I'm putting down today? A mature Christian is intentional in their pursuit of knowing God more. 
And they need to understand three things that they need to grow in, and that is understanding, applying, and sharing. I want you to write down those three things. Understand, apply, and share. If we understand the truth of who God is, then as we understand those things and we come to a realization of who He is, we should then take the next step, which is to apply what we have now understood. So many people, they they have a roadblock in between understanding and applying. They'll go, oh wow, pastor, that was a great sermon. I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. Your understanding has been enlightened. Your heart has been stirred to hear something that's excited you. And now you have new information, new revelation. And you're so excited about now what you have come to realize and know or see. And you're like, that spoke right to my heart. But listen, there has to be something that happens after you understand. You have to apply. And once you apply that word and apply that truth, then you begin to gain confidence in who God is. Because you see, once you understand who God is and you apply who He has called you to be, you see that God is for you and not against you. And you begin to see who you are in Christ. And you begin to see positionally who God has made you to be. And then once you begin to live who God has created you to be and be who He has made you to be, then you have the confidence that you need to share with other people that same truth. That confidence comes from, I know who God is and I know who He's made me to be. I can share confidently with uh, someone the message of forgiveness when I have understood it, received it for myself, and then applied it in my own life and with my relationships. Then I can with confidence talk to someone else about forgiveness. If I don't have that confidence, then I'm just sharing uh, someone else's good idea, but I haven't really experienced it because I haven't applied it, but I know it. And I think that's the trouble in the church today is that we, we got these big swollen heads, but we aren't applying what we know. We got full bellies, but we're not getting out of the nest. Just because we've been a Christian for a long time doesn't make us spiritually mature. Growing in discernment, however, as we see in Hebrews, is a mark of spiritual maturity. It's part of the deal. It's part of growing as a spiritually mature Christian. We are expected to grow in our ability to discern or observe and judge what is truth, what is right, what is from God. And we are supposed to be able to grow in our ability to know if something is of God, our emotions, the flesh, or if it's something evil. Verse 14 in Hebrews chapter 5 says, Those who have their powers of discernment trained... And the only way that I know to train anything is to do something over and over again and look for ways to grow. I have to do it over and over again and look for ways to grow. If you're wanting to lift weights and say you pick up a 30-pound dumbbell and you want to do arm curls and you're doing curls with your 30-pound dumbbell and you just want to get just jacked and you just work out, well, at first that may be heavy and you only may be able to do so many repetitions, but you're going to go and try to crank out 12. I want to do three sets of 12 with these 30-pound weights. Over time, you're going to get stronger and your body will adapt. And guess what? You'll pick up that 30-pound weight and you'll be like, this doesn't feel like anything. If you never increase the weight or you never increase the repetitions, you're not going to grow anymore. You're going to hit a plateau. You've got to change what you're doing. You've got to still do the same things, but you've got to add something else to this to keep yourself growing. So many of us as Christians, we get caught in this rut where we do our little routine with God, but then we never pursue or press into Him more, and we don't grow, and we wonder why. And we want to blame someone else when God said, well, are you really pressing into me, or are you just doing the same old routine over and over again expecting something to change? 
it changed you for a season because it got you to a certain place where that 30 pounds wasn't quite as heavy as it was when you started six months ago. But now you need to keep growing because you need to wean off of that bottle and keep getting more and more mature in Christ. And so therefore, as I grow, I need to make sure I'm using what God has given me, that I am starting where He wants me to start, but then I'm always looking for new ways to grow and not just getting caught up in the same old rut and same old pattern and expecting something different. We have to keep challenging ourselves to grow. Being challenged is good. Amen? Tension is good. We don't like it. We want to run away from it, but without it, we don't grow. It's good for us. That's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, that doesn't sound very good. Actually, it increases my ability to have to depend on God more and trust in God more. And He's going to come through because He's God and because He's for me and not against me and because He's bigger than anything else in this world. What's the worst thing this world could do to me? Kill me? I get a promotion to be face-to-face with Jesus then. So what do I have to fear? So I can see that God is faithful and that He is good. But I have to grow in trusting Him. And God always does this. We can see kind of His character in Scripture. God will call someone to something. And when He calls them to it, a lot of times they don't just jump right into it when He calls them. You know that when King David, when he was anointed as king over Israel, he was tending to his father's sheep. There was a lot that happened in between him tending his father's sheep, Samuel the prophet anointing him with oil, and him actually sitting on the throne as the king over Israel. There was a lot of stuff that happened in between that. Didn't mean he was any less anointed, he was any less called, he was still God's chosen person, but there were some things that he had to go through, some things that he had to grow through. Just like Jesus even told the parable of the master who gave talents to three different people, and the scripture says he gave them talents each according to his own ability. And when he wanted to see what they had done after some measure of time with the talents he had given them to the ones who had stewarded well what they had been entrusted with, he gave more. And to the one that didn't do anything with it at all, he said, what you have is going to be taken away from you and given to someone who's going to do something with it. And so God cares about stewardship, and He increases that responsibility as we are proving ourselves faithful. Just like we see in Hebrews chapter 5, where we are to exercise and grow that gift of discernment. We start where we're at. You have to start somewhere in your walk with the Lord. Amen? If that's with a bottle, so be it. It's with a bottle. But let's not hang out and suck the bottle for 10 years. Amen? Let's grow. Let's not just always need somebody else to feed us where we are the baby bird sitting in the nest. Let's grow. That's what God is calling us to do. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you need to learn to hear His voice, to follow His leading, these are things we're supposed to grow in. And Scripture says this in Proverbs 9 and 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge are two different things here. Knowledge is something that you know, and wisdom is that knowledge applied correctly. That knowledge that's been applied correctly, that's seen results, that has experience tied to it. If the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously taking His holiness seriously, taking His Word seriously, and being in awe of serving Him and having that holy reverence and fear, that, folks, is the foundation of wisdom. 
So what that means is that I cannot begin to correctly apply the knowledge that I have until I start with a healthy fear of the Lord. If the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, that means I can learn all this stuff and get super head smart. But if I don't take God seriously, I don't even have a solid foundation, really, of having any true wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord is where it starts. It's the beginning of wisdom. Think about this for a minute. John, the disciple that Jesus loves, Scripture says, the one who, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, looked at him and said, I want you to take care of my mother. She's now your mother. Take care of Mary. John, the disciple that when Jesus called his inner circle away to go and pray, he, he was one, in, one of the guys in that group. Peter, James, and John. And then in the book of Revelation, this same man, John, who was extremely close to Jesus, in the very first part of the book of Revelation, he describes when Jesus, and, and when Jesus speaks to him and he encounters Christ. And you would think that John as he's receiving this revelation, and he's seeing Jesus after not seeing him for a long time and as close as they used to be, that he would want to catch up, right? Jesus, oh my gosh, it's you. Whoa, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. But the Bible doesn't say that's the way that John responded to Jesus. John said, when I saw him, I fell on my face like a dead man. Whoa. Because here I'm seeing Christ in His glorified state. I have a healthy fear of the Lord to where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's Him in His glorified state. This is, it's Jesus and I know who He is now. He's not just the guy that, that, that I ate fish with. He's not just the guy that I went on boat trips with and saw Him do miracles and heard Him teach. This is God manifest in front of me. And He fell down on His face like a dead man because he had a healthy fear of the Lord. And then how does Jesus respond to John in that moment? Scripture says that he says, John, fear not, it's me. Isn't that awesome? That once his heart is tempered in that position of awe and reverence, that he said, no, no, fear not. So once, once he got to that place of reverence, he began, to, he began to speak to him and give him the revelation that we now know as, as the book of Revelation. For us to grow in discernment, we have to start with the fear of the Lord. We have to take God seriously. We have to. I think that's one of the biggest sins of our generation is not taking God seriously. Because we get way too casual with Him. And we forget who it is that we're talking to. And we pray and talk to Him like it's some sort of chore. Who do we think we are? Oh, God, bless this food. Yeah, I'm really hungry. I want to get this out of the way because I don't want to get sick. Because we think that's what it means to pray over food. Or at night, we'll pray. Or we'll pray for protection on a trip because we don't want anything bad to happen. There's nothing wrong with those things, but the attitude that we have towards those things sometimes. Even with my children, when I'll pray with them at night, there have been times where I've hit the brakes on our prayer time. And I said, no, kids, we're not going to go any further with our prayer to you guys sit up until we respectfully have a holy reverence of God because we're talking to the God that spoke and out of nothing everything was created because he said a few words that's who we're talking to right now and I'll tell my kids we're talking to the God 
that if it were not for Him, we would not even have breath in our lungs. Let us not forget that. That's the foundation. That's the starting place of wisdom. For us to grow in discernment, we have to start with the fear of the Lord. And this here that we read, Proverbs 9 and 10, this was a portion of Scripture that was written and read by people in the Old Testament who were not full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And they even knew to fear the Lord. So how much more should we, as believers in Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, have a holy fear of the Lord? How much more should we, who have experienced His redemptive power, the people who read Proverbs when it was originally written, and and they would hear it read aloud, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. You and I do, if we're followers of Jesus. How much more seriously should we take God? And how much more seriously should we be led by the Lord? Because every Christian should be led by the Holy Spirit. We should be led by the Holy Spirit in every way. We don't always have to ask God for every single thing that we do. God, should I brush my teeth this morning? Yes. That's always the answer, by the way. But in... But the Holy Spirit, we have common sense, but the Holy Spirit inside of us leads us and guides us. Some Christians have a stronger gift of discernment because they have a spiritual gift that may be something that is used for a specific purpose, that God gives them a stronger spirit of discernment because that's a natural gift given to them by the Holy Spirit. I believe my wife has that gift. And I am grateful for that gift. But I also should grow in discernment as well and not just crutch on her giftedness. Every one of us should be growing in our ability to discern. If you're a believer, listen, we have to be careful about some things as believers because we need to grow off the bottle and start eating the meat. I believe that Christians should not be fleecing God. Uh, We get this idea of fleecing God from the Old Testament, from Gideon, where Gideon did not fully trust what the Lord was telling him. And so he kind of asked God to make this fleece of, that he had, uh, this, this wool. He's going to lay it on the ground, and he said, if you really want me to do this thing, then, and you're really going to be with me, I want you to make the fleece wet and the ground around it dry. And then he wakes up the next morning, and that happened. And then the next day he said, well, I want the opposite to happen. I want the fleece to be dry and the ground around, around it wet. And he woke up the next day and it happened. And Christians have gotten into this practice and they call it fleecing to where they want to set these expectations on God to do something for them to let them know that it's Him. God, if it's your will for me to do this, let so-and-so call me at this time. And that's called fleecing the Lord. Listen, Gideon fleeced the Lord. He was not trusting in God. He was asking God to prove himself. Gideon wasn't this, wasn't this uh, man that was just full of faith, right? He was struggling. He said, I'm the weakest guy in the weakest clan. And here's the thing about Gideon. As great of a story as Gideon is, if you read the Old Testament, Gideon was not a born-again Christian that had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. Because it was in the Old Testament. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. You do. You've got an edge on what Gideon had. So Gideon, yeah, in the Bible you may see in the Old Testament that there were these people that would cast lots 
in order to find out what God wanted them to do. When Jonah was on the boat, they cast lots. It was, it was this kind of game of chance almost to see if, if, if God would speak to them through this or they would ask for a sign. But when Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees, the Pharisees said, well, if you really are from God, then give us some sort of sign. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you wicked generation that asked for a sign. So many of us, we, we want everything to be some sort of sign. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give people signs to confirm certain things, but when it comes to us being led by the Spirit as a Christian, as a mature believer, it should be the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into truth. Amen? It should be the Holy Spirit, but we have to learn how to hear His voice, not always asking for a sign. Because we're not led by signs. The Bible never says we're led by signs. Signs confirm what God is already doing. We're led by the Holy Spirit, not by signs. No more than we're led by our emotions. We are not led by emotions. We're not led by signs. We're not led by some sort of fleece before the Lord. We are led by the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And we need to be able to grow and practice uh, growing in being able to discern what is of God and what is of the flesh. If you're a believer... This should be how we grow. Uh, I want to give you some areas to grow in discernment, some practical things to help us to sharpen and exercise that discernment. I want you to write these down. And, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is a list that I, I came up with that I, I think will help us. And there's scriptures there you can look up. Number one is to fear the Lord. That's a way to grow in discernment. That's the beginning of wisdom. The second thing is to pray and ask we need to ask for discernment. We need to pray, ask what is the revealed will of God. We want to make sure that we're hearing clearly from Him. The third thing is to walk with the wise. The Bible says that those who are going to be wise are going to walk with those who are wise. So we need to make sure we're surrounding ourselves by people uh, who are wise in the things of the Lord. The fourth thing is to renew our mind. I love Romans 12 and 2 where he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what the holy and acceptable and perfect will of God is. That's what Romans 12 and 2 says. So you want to know the will of God? You can begin to renew your mind to the Scripture. Stop thinking the way you used to think and begin to think the way God thinks. How do I do that? I get into the Word. And I began to learn who God is and learn His character, which is the, the next piece, which is step out in faith. Sometimes we just have to step out in faith when we feel that God is leading us and we begin to see that what He's leading us to do lines up with the Word and it brings glory to Him. But maybe we're still a little scared. Maybe we're still a little timid to do what we are being led to do. Sometimes you just got to step out into the unknown and trust in the Lord. Amen? The sixth thing is to grow in knowing God's character. And that's Hebrews 4 and 12 where we see that the Word of God, that it's alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Scripture says it divides between the soul and the spirit. It divides between what is God's will and what is that soulish part of me, my mind, my will, and my emotions that's being renewed. The Word of God cuts right between that and will show me the truth and show me God's character. Then the seventh thing is peace follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just like we learned a couple of weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33 says that God is not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. I believe that when God leads you by His Holy Spirit, that He will lead you into peace. And that may mean that you don't experience the emotion of peace or the feeling of peace until you make a decision. But once you've made a decision... The Holy Spirit just comforts you with peace that passes your understanding, that guards your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. 
I know I've experienced that, and maybe you have too. The thing that I want to leave you with this morning is this. You can hear God's voice and be led by His Spirit. You can. The enemy has whispered in some of your ears and has tried to get you to believe that because of your past before you knew Christ, or maybe even your current struggles, that somehow that you are some kind of second-class Christian. Can I encourage you today and tell you there is no such thing as a second-class Christian? You either are a follower of Christ or you are not. We have our struggles, do we not? We still deal with unrenewed minds. We still deal with temptations. We still deal with struggles that we may have and things that we haven't quite realized, the freedom we have been given in Christ, and we may still wrestle And we all do, and we all have our shortcomings. But there is no such thing as the upper crust of Christianity because of the world we live in and because of our societal uh, segregations that we have, because of socioeconomic barriers that we have, because of social barriers that we have created, that God doesn't look at us that way. That's not how God sees you. And you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can hear His leading. And He wants you to grow in it. And I gave you those seven things to help you to grow in being led by the Holy Spirit. And start where you're at. Start in the small things. Start right where you're at. And don't feel bad about where you're at. Just no more than a baby would feel bad for drinking a bottle. It's what they're supposed to do, but just don't get stuck there. If you've been stuck in your relationship with the Lord and you haven't grown, I would challenge you to take those seven things and begin to ask God, what am I supposed to do with these things? And how can you help me to grow in using discernment and becoming a mature Christian that's being led by the Spirit, that's knowing the difference between emotion and the flesh and the true voice and leading of the Lord. It's time to grow towards getting off the bottle, and we start with the fear of the Lord. We begin to invest in exercising discernment that a Holy Spirit-led follower of Jesus should walk in. So I would encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit for a stronger gift of discernment. Paul said to pursue and desire spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Look for opportunities to be led by God when making decisions. Ask God for wisdom. See if it lines up with God's character. Change your thinking by spending time in the Word and keep surrounding yourself with others who believe and who are using God-honoring discernment and judgment in their lives. A tree is known by their fruit. So look at the fruit in others' lives and surround yourself with those people and learn. Be sharpened. Let's grow in discernment and understanding the difference between the flesh and the Spirit. Let's grow in learning the difference between our emotions and the Holy Spirit of God. And Romans 8 and 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with our church family. I thank you, Lord, for leading us by your Holy Spirit, for showing us your revealed will step by step, day by day. Help us to be continually led in how to serve you more, how to love on others and show them your love and share the gospel with them, how to lead our families, how to lead our children, how to walk with our spouse, how to engage our coworkers, how to interact with potential customers throughout the day, 
how to, Lord, interact with those strained relationships that we may have in our lives. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us into your perfect will for our lives so we can do what you've created us to do and be the men and women of God you've called us to be every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Before you go, don't make sure to, make, make sure to stop by and say hello to our uh, uh, friends from Ozaki Christian School. Chris and Dave are here, and they would love to talk to you and be continually in prayer for the situation that God has just uh, so graciously uh, opened up a wonderful door uh, for His truth to be shown. Uh, and just continue to pray for, for those folks, for Joanne and for Peter and for John. We just want to pray for them. And also be in prayer for Trenton and Kristen. Make sure to just squeeze them extra good for me. I, I, I don't ask a lot as a pastor, you know, but I do ask that you would just embrace them extra long today. Um, let them know you appreciate them. Let them know you care about them. And please be praying for them. And as soon as we know something, uh, I promise I'll, I'll let you know what, uh, what's going on with them and give you updates there. So anyways, as you go, number 6 and 24 says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon each and every one of you and give you his peace. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.